Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, today, well, let me start off. My name is Ricky Bernard William Davis Jr. This is episode number three, ladies and gentlemen. We have three episodes in. Yes, this is my third week doing this podcast thing. I'm enjoying this, man. I could talk forever. And today I have a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. And I got a lot to say on this topic, so I got to jump right in. We're going to be talking about my 16. I know that's a weird number, but I got 16 of them that are all tied for number one. Favorite Twilight Zone episodes of all time. Now, Twilight Zone, I'm talking the original Twilight Zone. Rod Serling. I'm not talking about the Forrest Whitaker, you know, whatever the remake before that was. And I know they were talking about Leonardo DiCaprio doing like a Twilight Zone something. I don't know what any of that is. And none of that matters. The only thing that matters is Rod Serling's uh, original Twilight Zone marathon. Now, it still comes on annually four times. No, is it three times? I know it comes on... New Year, uh, I know there's like a New Year's Marathon, I know there's a um, uh, um, July 4th Marathon, but I'm not sure if there's another one, so, but yeah, so that is what we are going to be discussing today, ladies and gentlemen, and so let me jump right into it, so my 16 favorite episodes are all tied for number one, uh, like I said, and since they're all tied for number one, there's no particular order, we're just going to break it down with titles first. So we have The Dummy, we have To Serve Man, It's a Good Life, The Doll, uh, we have um, The Hitchhiker, The Howling Man, Time Enough at Last, The Mass, uh, Eye of the Beholder, The Silence, The Obsolete Man, Will the Real Marshal Please Stand Up, A Game of Pull, and The Midnight, no, 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 two more, The Midnight Sun, and Death's Head Revisited. So now I said 16, but I doubled up one, so it's 15. I have 15 uh, favorite Twilight Zone episodes of all time. So like I said, Twilight Zone is my thing. So now I have, you know, I try to get over the past, but the best gift that I ever got was from one of my girlfriends. Uh, she bought me the definitive edition of um, the Twilight Zone, like on DVD, because, you know, I used to always have to wait for it. You know, I had to wait for the marathon. And then, you know, the marathons were all day. Most of the time, the best episodes were like at, at, at um, you know, one o'clock, something like that. So it was crazy, man. So when she got me this gift, because I've been telling her and she got it for my birthday, man, yo. So it's hard for me. Like I try to get over people, but I will never get over this woman because she got me the best gift of all time. So, like I said, so the and the writing was sublime. It's just an amazing, um, it's just an amazing series. If you haven't seen the Twilight Zone, you're missing out on life, man. So let's get into it. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. <laughs> so yeah, so this is, that was the intro. Um, my thing about Rod Serling, he was in a time, you know, and like I said, I got to really jump into these because they're going to take a while and I'm probably not going to really be able to break all of them down. But I want to talk a little about Rod Serling. You know, in the 50s, um, first of all, the first episode aired in 1954. 
Um, and in the 50s, that was not really a time when people discussed these type of things, you know? Um, some of the topics that he went into were really, you know, people didn't venture out and, you know, gauge some of these topics that he wanted to broach. He really wanted to talk about things that were uncomfortable. And that really made him like a pioneer, in my opinion, in my estimation, because, you know, when people just stay quiet about things that matter, um, that's not... It's not really what we should be doing. We should be talking about things that matter. No matter how uncomfortable it may be, they should be discussed. And he went there. And, um, you know, initially the Twilight Zone didn't get the best feedback. I know that they said in the 50s and 60s um, he was received very well. But the ratings weren't the best when the show initially came out. But now, like I said, this is, what, 60, 70 years later? They still annually do it, minimal twice a year. I think it's three, but I don't remember what the other holiday is. There may be a Memorial Day um, thing or Labor Day. I, I always mix the two up. But anywho, so let's jump right into it. So we're going to start from the top of my list since I, you know, the order that I gave it. So the dummy. Now what happens is in the dummy is there's this guy, he's a ventriloquist. And, you know, ventriloquists, they have dummies. His dummy was alive. It was real. It was taking control of his life. And the issue for him was that he didn't know how to overcome this. And ultimately, long story short, because I think this is the one I'm going to talk about the least. Um, ultimately, long story short, the, the episode reveals that the actual guy was the dummy, not the doll. It wasn't the doll that was the dummy. It was the guy. So now back to about Rod Serling. He really... Um, Ha so the Twilight Zone really has these twists, you know, it's like you're going one way, but you're going down the wrong way, you know what I'm saying? And he always brings you back at the end where it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> and you be thinking about it and then you're like, yo, your whole mind just be blown, just but it's crazy, so you got to love it. Um, so, yeah, so the dummy, that was pretty much it in a nutshell. So he had the dummy, and the dummy was, you know, telling its own jokes and just going wild. And then um, finally he broke down, and you found out that the real dummy was him. So that's all I'm going to do for that one. Um, so let's get into Serve Man. So To Serve Man was about these Martians, these aliens that came to Earth, and they told the entire planet... You know, they had they had lie detector tests. They were doing everything. Now, they couldn't talk. They were like 11 feet, 11 feet tall. They couldn't talk. They had these big heads. Their heads were bigger than mine, and I got a big head. So they had, their heads were huge. If your head's bigger than a Davis head, you got a big head, dog. And they had big heads, dog. So, um, but they came and they were like, yo, we just want to serve, man. We, we just want to provide for y'all, help y'all. So they stopped all the wars. They stopped all the violence, everything that was going on. And they left a book. So when they first came in, you know, and they had to deal with all the different nations and whatever, and they spoke to everybody. Like I said, they didn't speak. They used, like, telepathy because their forms of communication was a lot more advanced. They left a book, and the book couldn't be deciphered, but a lady finally deciphered that the cover of the book was to serve man. Now, this is about to, this is about to really mess your head up. This is about to mess your head up. <laughs> to serve man. Well, let me do this. So they started bringing people back to their world, you know, to their planet, you know, in their spaceships. They were, that was their thing. They started wanting to bring you back. She finally deciphered the book at the end of the episode. So one of her uh, colleagues is getting ready to go on a ship, finally going to visit their country, their, their uh, planet, whatever, their world. Um, she deciphers 
to serve man. It's a cookbook. So it was a cookbook. They wanted to come and eat y'all, but they never lied about anything. They, you know, they did want to help. They wanted to make you healthy. They wanted to make you strong. They wanted to, and they did all that. But the whole thing was about bringing you back to their world to eat you. That's wild. So then we're going to get into It's a Good Life. So It's a Good Life was about this little boy. He was this bad behind kid, right? Little, little boy just doing whatever he wanted to do. But you better think nice thoughts around him. You better think nice thoughts. If you think bad thoughts, he would send you either, either to the cornfield or he would just get rid of you. Like, boom, just death. Or he would turn you into a jack-in-the-box. He would do whatever. He had powers. So a lot of the people were, you know, he got rid of dogs. He got rid of other kids that didn't like him. This was a wild little boy. And, um, you know, they never fixed it. The episode didn't really fix him. But there was like a moment where, uh, like, his grandmother or whatever... She had a because one of the you know they had like a party or whatever because sometimes he he created TV for them because they didn't have TV so he would because well not that they didn't have TV but there were certain things that he didn't want to watch so they were, could only watch TV when he put TV on a specific thing and he liked to watch these monsters fight each other or whatever and then he would like turn it off but it was another character's birthday and the little boy ain't like no music he ain't like music you couldn't play music while the little boy was in the room now. So, but the dude was like, yo, it's my birthday. I want to play. He got a Perry Como record. You know, Perry Como be rocking. I, I, I listen to a little Perry Como. Perry Como's that guy. But, uh, was that guy. He ain't live no more. But, it's still that guy. But, anywho, so, yeah. So, and he was like, I, you know, I can't even play. I'll just play it until before the music starts. You know what I'm saying? And then they were like, nah, you don't know exactly when the music's going to start. And then homeboy just loses it. He starts singing. And then the little kid said, you're, you're a bad man. But what happens is the grandmother was getting ready to hit the little boy, but she, she just couldn't do it. So, you know, the guy turns, uh, the little boy turns the guy into a jack in the box. And then, you know, the whole episode is about just think nice thoughts, be a good guy and, or girl, gal, whatever we're calling ourselves these days. And anything will be copacetic. So, yeah, so that's that episode. So the dog. I thoroughly enjoyed The Doll. The Doll was an episode about this little girl. Well, it's about the father, stepfather. He comes into the picture. I guess he didn't birth her. That's never really the most clear. But um, so it's about this woman, uh, her significant other, and her child. And um, the child gets a doll. And um, the doll's name is Talking Tina. And Talking Tina always says, my name is Talking Tina. And I love you very much. Well, that's what she would say when the girl would pull her string. But then the pops pulled the string when nobody else was around. And the doll would say all types of wild stuff like, My name is Talking Tina. And I don't like you very much. And then the next time she said the most wild thing. She said, My name is Talking Tina. And I'm going to kill you and then homeboy just lost it you know he was he, he was going nuts he was like why would y'all play these games you know this is real funny real cute i know y'all have problems with me but these games are real cute um and then you know long story short he tried to make a better relationship with the little girl but it was just getting strained and then he tried to take the doll but he couldn't hurt the doll so he just gave the doll back to the girl and um, then one night he was trying to walk downstairs and the doll somehow was just on the stairs, falls over the doll and dies. And then the mother who's like, you know, he was making it all up. It couldn't have been real, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Why don't you love my daughter? Why are you doing these things? You know, this is unnecessary. 
Then the doll is downstairs with the father who just died falling down the stairs. And the doll says, my name is Talking Tina. And you better be nice to me. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the doll episode. Um, the Hitchhiker. The Hitchhiker is actually about the, the, the character from The Hitchhiker. I forget her name, but she committed suicide. She, you know, I guess she felt as though her career wasn't going where she wanted it to. There, there was some story about it. I forget the lady's name. But everybody in The Twilight Zone, The Twilight Zone was like, if you were an actor and you were on The Twilight Zone, you were lit. Unless you were like a Hollywood actor or something like that, like one of these leads or whatever. But if you were just an actor, like it's kind of like these guys who do like TV and stuff today. If you're an actor and you're on The Twilight Zone, you, you were considered that guy. That was the show back in those days that like if you wanted to be on TV, if you were the truth, you were in an episode of The Twilight Zone. So the hitchhiker is about this girl. So at the beginning of the episode, she got into an accident and everybody was like, wow, you're going that fast. How'd you survive? Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And then somehow this guy, he just keeps, he keeps following her and puts up the thumb like he just wants a ride. And everywhere, no matter how far she goes, the guy is there. He just finds a way. And then she's getting ready to go across these train tracks. And the guy's, you know, doing his, his thumb thing. And then um, she gets stuck on the train tracks. And luckily she finds a way to get through. But she starts to believe that the guy was beckoning her and trying to get her to, you know, to kill herself or, or trying to get her to, to die. Um, and then they go through the episode and she finally calls her mother and is like, you know, just needs somebody, a familiar voice to talk to. Calls her mother and her mother's not in the house because the woman who now is in the house, I guess a caretaker or something, I said, your mother had like a breakdown or something like that. Had a, had a, well, not your mother. She said, you know, she had a breakdown. The mother had a breakdown due to the death of her daughter. And so now the girl realized, ah, man, so... This hitchhiker is trying to just take me on. You know, it's, t it's time to go. This is, this is like the Grim Reaper or, you know, whatever anybody believes in. And um, so then they say uh, um, he's in the back of the car now. She gets back in the car and he's in the back of the car. And his, his line at the end of the episode is, I believe you're going my way. And then that's the end of the episode. The Howling Man. So the Howling Man is about this guy who goes to this house and, he, you know, he's looking for refuge. He's, you know, he's just been out and it's a storm and he's getting very sick. He's, start, you know, starting to sweat. It's getting cold outside. Goes into this guy's building. He has like this mansion. Goes in there and um, then basically just asks, you know, can you please house me for a little while just until I, until I, you know, start feeling better? Can I get a little food? And the guy was like... These old guys, you know, they had canes and everything like that. Just seemed like uh, something straight out of um, 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 uh, uh, the Twin Towers, the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Like, uh, uh, man, whatever the main guy's name was with the, sh with the staff of truth. Uh, so he came in there and he was like, you know, I just, just want a house. And then he collapses and then they pick him, you know, scenes go by. Then he's in the back and he's speaking to this guy. And because there's this guy who's howling. He's just howling all the time. And then he's back speaking to the guy and the guy whose who's building he's in. And he's like, I don't hear any howls, blah, blah, blah. And then the guy that just came to the building, he was like, you know, okay, cool. I'll just go to the, I'll go to the police. And the guy who's building it is, he's like, would you really go to the police? And then the other guy's like, w would you? So he says, that's no man. That's, that's not a man in there. You heard no man. But he, you know, he's heard the howling. What you saw was the devil himself. 
Now, you know, you walk into a building and somebody tells you that they got the devil locked up in there. And you, all, everybody listening to this. If somebody tell you they got the devil locked up in their building, you ain't going to believe that. So he goes back and tries to save him. But he sees that the only thing impeding the guy from opening the door, he's trapped in the door, the guy that's supposedly the devil. Only thing that's impeding him is from opening the door is the little staff that the guy's been holding. That could easily just be removed. So for me, I'd be a little bugged out if I saw that. But then the guy's like, okay, you know, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And finally, like, just takes the staff off and lets the guy out. And then finally the guy transforms and he is the devil. And, you know, now this guy spent, the guy who let him out spends the rest of his life trying to catch him. So, yeah, that's, that's the howling man. Time enough at last. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Well, I enjoyed all these. But time enough at last is about um, this, this, this older guy. He's married to a woman who just won't let him do anything. She kind of takes advantage of him. His job, they never give him any free time. All he wants to do is read. He just wants to read on occasion. Can a brother, can a brother get some knowledge, please? I just want to get some knowledge. That's all he wanted to do. But nobody ever gave him time. So he locks himself up in one of the safes. And then a bomb goes off and pretty much like the entire world just is blown to smithereens. So uh, he comes out and now there's nothing but time. And books everywhere, he can just read, just time to read, and he can grow crops. At least, I'm, I don't know if he thought about that. Maybe he did. But, I, actually, I think he did say something along those lines. But, he's like, I got time. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. And then this dude drops his glasses, and while looking for them, steps on them. Ain't that some stuff? Steps on his glasses. He had time. He had time. Ah, oh, man, these these episodes. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm getting emotional because you know these episodes are they mean so much to me. I've been watching them for so long. I haven't gone a day since 2016. A day. This is crazy. I haven't gone a day since 2016 without watching one episode of The Twilight Zone. So it's like. I don't know. So, like, anything that I write, you know, because I do, like, music, I, you know, eventually I'm going to start writing screenplays and all that. Anything that I write, if it's, like, wild and off the wall, just know that my mind is eh -eh because, probably mostly because I've been watching The Twilight Zone. So, my mind is a little out there. But, all right, so next we got The Masks. So, what The Masks is about, M-A-S-K-S, I don't, you know, my enunciation isn't the best. But, so, what The Masks is about is um, this older guy who's, like, very rich. And his daughter and, you know, her, her kids and her husband all come to see him on, like, his deathbed. And he's like, oh, y'all are just here because y'all want my money. Y'all not fooling anybody. Blah, blah, blah. It's Mardi Gras. So, you know, um, they're obviously in New Orleans. Uh, or New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. However y'all pronounce it. Whoever's listening. So they're out there. And what he does is says, no, nah, this is festive. What we're going to do is we're going to put on these hideous masks. They, but what he says is the masks are like, they interpret the exact opposite of what each person is. So, but he's really giving them a mask. What he feels is really the exact inner self of who they really are. So, you know, he gives one like this mask about, you know, she's arrogant and self-loathing and all about herself and all the masks are hideous. So... And then long story short, the day passes. All they need to do to get all of his money is wear the mask until the strike of midnight. 
clock strikes midnight. He says, you all are very rich and dies. They take the masks off. Their faces have become what the uh, images were on the masks. So now they're all hideous. They all have wrinkles. They're all, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that one was, that one was deep, man. So, and then you have Eye of the Beholder, which is like, it's pretty much simple and it explains itself. But so there's this girl who is in this um, like hospital trying to get surgery on her face because she just feels that she's hideous. And so now it starts out, the episode starts out with bandages on her face. And um, they, they, they're taking the bandages off. She's had surgeries in the past, but she's taking the bandages off and then finally gets the bandages off and you know they acknowledge that nothing has changed. She didn't change, she still looks exactly the same. But the episode is about the beautiful ones are the ones who look like pigs. They have weird looking noses to to normal people. You know, normal, I mean, I say normal. That, that was probably the wrong phraseology, wrong term to use. Um, but most people, if you look at them, what they were trying to depict was something different. Let me not say, you know, not normal or anything like that, but something different. And, but the, the main message was, you know, Beauty is within your eyes. So what you see is what's beautiful. So and then another guy who looked um see this episode is difficult for me to like express because I don't I don't want to offend anybody, but for the people who looked what they were trying to portray as human beings and as normal, um they were like, you know, we have another colony, you could go with them and everybody will feel the same and then you'll start to really appreciate and, you know, more so love yourself. So that episode was was very fun and, you know, it really made you think about like it's not about, you know, exterior or what other people think or how other people look. You you need to feel how you feel about yourself, man. Get up in the morning, look in the mirror. I look good. I look fly. I don't know the rest of the song, but you know, no, no, no. Oh my mama. Oh my hood. You y'all know. Y'all know where listening to this. So um so the next episode that I'm gonna get into is um the silence. So now the silence may actually be my favorite in terms of uh, uh, thought provoking. So what happens is is this this real upscale um, club that these guys are members of, and this guy, this one guy, he just always talks. He talks all the time. And then one of the older members of the club is like, bring him over. I want to, uh, and he proposes a bet. He's like, if you can go a year without talking, I will give you a half a million dollars. Now the guy says to another guy, uh, the guy that's being proposed the bet, you know, for, um, he tells another guy that I have to take this bet. You know, my, my wife, she's, she spends freely and I know, Hey, if you, if you, if you dealing with a baddie, if you dealing with a baddie and she's, she got expensive taste. I mean, you better, you better bring home the bacon. So you got to do what you got to do. So, and you know, his money was running short. So he was like, cool, you know, I'll do what I need to do. And uh, he goes in there. Now, let me skip for, well, the whole time, the guy is like, you know, because he doesn't want him to win because months are going by and the guy's still in there, hasn't said a word. So the guy starts talking about his wife and how she's, you know, being promiscuous and all that other stuff with other guys, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And this guy's just going nuts in there, but he, he fights it out and lasts to the end. So now, but at the end of the episode, the guy comes and he says, I, I, I tried to offer you, you know, 1000 and 5000 You know, even then I would have had to go. This is the guy who proposed the bet of half a million dollars. And he said, because the guy just lasted in there for a year. And the guy says, 
I would have had to go out and beg even then. Uh, you know, but half a million dollars, you know, I'm a fraud. I don't, I don't have that kind of money. Um, I would naturally resign. And then the guy, he still doesn't talk. So he picks up a pad and writes. And then the other guy who proposed the bet, he reads it. I knew I wouldn't be able to hold up my end of the bargain. This, this is what the, the paper says. I knew I wouldn't be able to hold up my end of the bargain. So one year ago, I had the nerves to my vocal cords severed. Mmm. See? Kind of make you think about things that you get involved with. You know, how far are you willing to go? What type of risks and chances are you willing to take? All these episodes, man, they, they, they stimulate your mind. They stimulate your mind. Rod Sterling was a beast, dog. Like, so ahead of his time, man. So ahead of his time. Like, there are things that even today, if these episodes had come out, it would have been like, whoa. Whoa. A lot of, a lot of, you know, so, yeah. Next is the op obsolete man. So there was this guy who, you know, uh, he, he was a librarian. And they were saying librarians are obsolete. You know, there's no more need for books and anything like that. We have technology. We're advanced. We're past books. And, um, you know, the state is all that matters. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. And then they told him that he was going to be liquidated. But he got to choose how he was going to be liquidated. He said he's not obsolete. So they told him that he's going to choose. Anybody who's obsolete and doesn't have a function was deemed obsolete. If you didn't have a function, you were deemed obsolete. And um, so he was going to be able to choose how he was going to be um, liquidated. Um, he wanted a bomb to be uh, to go off in his in his room. He said that later. But anyway, so now we're in his room and he requests for the, the head of the state to come visit his room. But he comes in and then he's getting ready to go. He says, um, you know, it's it's with the guy that's getting ready to die. He said, you know, it's it's very uncomfortable feeling knowing that you're going to be blown to smithereens in just a few seconds. Isn't it? And then the guy that came to visit, he said, well, it depends on the individual. And then he walks to the door and then, um, but it's locked. And then the guy that's in there and getting ready to be liquidated, he said, indeed it does. Indeed it does. So, and then the guy begs, like he sits in there, he's not gonna let him out. And then he begs, he says, please, in the name of God, please let me out. And then finally the guy lets him out and um, it blows up. And then he goes back and the state deems him obsolete. So yeah, it's, it's wild. So now, the, will the real Martian please stand up? So this was one of my dad's favorite episodes. You know, we used to, this was probably one of the first ones that I'd ever seen, I believe. Um, so this, this bus comes to this um, coffee shop with a whole bunch of passengers. I think they had six, but, um, you know, there were seven in the, in the room. You know, seven that were there because and what the reason that they came, I believe, like a bridge had gone down and they said it was unsafe. So y'all couldn't leave. Um, so then they came to the coffee shop saying, you know, y'all have to stay here. Um, but then finally, uh, they they decided to go because they got a phone call, which was really one of the people who was the Martian um, calling and telling them that it was safe. But then the bridge collapsed. It collapsed. And then one of the guys went back to where the guy with the coffee shop was, which had, you know, obviously the guy that was serving coffee and owned the coffee shop. And he came back. He said it just went down kerplunk. And then the guy said, but why aren't you wet? He said, wet? What? What's wet? He said, what do you mean what's wet? And then he said, you know, I think you don't understand certain things. The, the guy that was in the bus he said, you don't understand certain things, you know, and then pulls out. He has a third arm. And this guy is from um, Saturn from Saturn or Venus. One or the other is from Saturn. The other one's from Venus. I think the first one's from Saturn. Mars, Mars. I got it wrong, Mars. Um, so then it, oh, Martian. Ha! 
<laughs> so then he says, yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're going to take over and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy that was serving the coffee, he says, oh, your friends, they aren't coming. They've been intercepted. And you are right what you say about this world. Oh, it, it is very nice. We found out 15 years ago. Uh, so, and this guy's from Venus, and then he takes off his, uh, hat and, um, has a third eye. So, yeah, so he got the best of that. Uh, so, Game of Pool, Midnight Sun, Death's Head Revisited. I, I may have to go a little over today because I gotta break these down. So, a Game of Pool is about a game of pool where this guy who's supposed to be Minnesota Fats, he's supposed to be the best pool player of all time, comes back to face this guy who says that he's the best pool player of all time for life or death. Now, long story short, the guy wins. He accepts the bet. Uh, the guy that, you know, said wants to be the best wins. And then, but what happens is when he dies, he becomes Minnesota Fats. And every time somebody says, I want a challenge to be the best, he has to come back and face them. And it's very uncomfortable, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't get to really break down some of the fun lines in that episode, but I really love that episode, man. And the the guy who portrayed Minnesota Fats was a big-time comedian back in the 50s and 60s, or 40s, 50s, and 60s. I forget the guy's name. But the Midnight Sun, uh, I'm going to try to break this down as fast as I can. Midnight Sun was an episode where they just get kept getting closer. The world was getting closer and closer to the sun, and everybody was passing out and melting and trying to move south. Not melting, but dying and trying to move uh, further and further north to get away. But they were like, you know, we're, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this? Why would we move this? You know, we're all going to die. We're all doomed. Um, but one of the girl, the main girl, she, uh, at the end of the episode, she um, fainted and then woke up. And the world was actually moving further and further away from the sun. So, and then Death's Head Revisited, which is my last episode. I apologize for going a little slightly over 30 minutes. But Death's Head Revisited is about a guy who was, you know, uh, one of the soldiers from the Nazi, uh, Nazi concentration camp, uh, um, Dachau. And um, he came back and then he saw one of the guys that was originally there in the concentration camp. And, um, but he got... Um, you know, kind of lost his mind because the guy, you know, he showed him everything and then he was on trial by the by the uh, people who were in the camp and um, he ended up losing his mind going insane and um, yeah, and then Rod talked about, you know, how, because I visited a concentration camp when I was in um, Poland and it's crazy so this episode really means a lot more to me um now i hadn't I, I i actually hadn't seen it before i went to the concentration camp so it's it's big to me now but um so yeah and rod serling says you know we can't knock down the concentration camps they all have to stay up because we have to remember a moment in time when you know a certain few people decided to take you know the world into their own hands and just become murderers and you know decide that that was justice and that was fine and everything was cool with that so we can't we can't forget those memories so yeah so this is my episode on the twilight zone my favorite show of all time i i i, I just means so much to me man so yeah i'm just glad that y'all could join me again i apologize for going a little over 30 minutes but anywho i hope y'all enjoyed my name is ricky bernard william davis jr peace